And today, here's two right here on the front, Catherine and Ben. One. Okay, the one up. Yeah, Joy's here. Maybe around there by Pat. Okay. Most everything that I'm going to say today has probably been taken from this book by J.C. Ryle. He was a contemporary. That's okay, Cleaver. He was a contemporary Spurgeon. He died in 1900, but it's what he's got is is good, and he kind of rings my bell with this. And then also another source that I use, and Art mentioned it in his notes last week, I, um, is the. Uh, um, Bible knowledge commentary by the Dallas faculty, and so uh, we'll we'll go from there. Okay, let's look at Matthew, and we'll go just back a little bit uh, to chapter twelve, and where where Jesus, the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of of uh, casting out and doing miracles by Satan. And he said, that's not the case. Uh, and he quoted some Old Testament uh, situations, Jonah and, and uh, the Queen of the South, as he has said, Jesus said, Queen of Sheba. And uh, he said, something is greater than Solomon and Jonah is here. And at this point, the Pharisees uh, basically... Uh, turned Jesus off. They, they didn't want anything else to do with him. They had their mind made up as, as we talked last week. Now when we go later on in the gospel and we get to the crucifixion and they ultimately said, you know, um, let their blood be on us, his blood be on us and on, on our children. John said in the first, first chapter, he said he came unto his own, but his own received him not. So they actually did reject Jesus as early as this point uh, here. And then Jesus himself started doing something very different. He started teaching in parables. The, new, the, the Sermon on the Mount was all in, in, in um, what he needed to say. And then in this particular point, uh, he started teaching in parables. Now, what is a parable? Anybody? Okay, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The word really means to throw alongside, to 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 compare two things, and uh, and we we've heard parables all our lives. You know, if you've been in in church at all, and you 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 know what has has been said there, so beginning in verse 13 or excuse me in chapter 13 he says that Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and a large crowd followed him so he got into the boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach this was very common for Jesus we know today that sound travels uh, better uh, across water and so 
he had his own microphone there and he began to teach. Verse 3 of chapter 13. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Well, we, Pastor Bobby uh, uh, mentioned to us uh, a couple of weeks ago that we're all preachers. And we talked about that last week, you know, that we all have a story to, sh- to share, a gospel to, to proclaim. So we're all, we're all teachers and we're all preachers. Um, he says he wants to be addressed as pastor, and I understand that. So uh, here the sower, the sower would be the preacher. Right, I want to stop and just say a little bit about sowers. You know, and I know, that all sowers are not the same. True? They don't sow the same seed. So you need to be careful who you're listening to. And you need to be careful in what the seed they're sowing. Now, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, He will will show you and guide you and teach you these things. And we need to be careful to understand that. Now, in this particular context, we know that the seed is the Word of God. We've said again, Pastor Bobby said it last week when he was going through uh, the things that makes Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist, and Bible believers, Bible believers, that this is the only authority we have. The total authority is wrapped up in this book. And so... Everything we teach, if it's not in accordance with this book, it's not, it's, it doesn't hold a light. Um, Dr. Ryle, uh, the commentary that I, I mentioned a while ago, those are comments on Scripture. And I'm kind of like the old country preacher sometimes. The Bible throws a lot of light on those commentaries. So uh, when, when all else fails, we come back to the book which is the seed or the word of God. So let's pick up in verse 3 again. He spoke many things to them in parables saying, oh, before I go any further, there's seven parables in this 13th chapter. Um, we're going to hit, well, I don't know how far we'll get, but we're, we're, we're going to hit as many as we can. But there's a couple we'll kind of give a glancing blow to. And there are two in particular that Jesus uh, <clears throat> uh, commented on or gave a, a, a reading to, and we'll stay with those uh, for the most part. Verse 3, And he spoke again to them in peril, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road. The birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And the others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some uh, sixty, and some thirty. Then Jesus has a statement here. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, I've told you before my part about he who has ears to hear. Um, there was a time in, when I was, Velt and I were in Greenville, um, I had um, three, four major projects going on, three major projects going on. Uh, one was in Raleigh, one was in out at Cherry Point out on the, at the Naval Base, and the other one was in Kingsport, Tennessee. And it would, I did this for better part of a year, but Sunday afternoon I'd get in the truck and I'd drive to Raleigh. I'd be there Monday morning, and Tuesday, I'd, Tuesday afternoon I'd drive to Cherry Point. I'd stay there Wednesday. Thursday I'd drive all the way across the state of North Carolina to... Uh, to um, Holston Defense and we had a big project there and I would spend the rest of Thursday and all day Friday there and I'd get back to Green Greenville on Friday night <laughs> going to the office Saturday morning teach my Sunday school lesson on Sunday and then repeat it all over again and <clears throat> there would be a many a sermon that Ralph Carter preached that I didn't hear I was sitting there I probably had my Bible all open, but my ears weren't hearing. And I'm afraid there are a lot of us like that. We, we, we sit, we, 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 we go through the motions, but we're not hearing what was said. Um, I've asked the Lord to forgive me then, and I continue to ask Him to forgive me for the things that I've missed. But in these things... Jesus pointed out four scenarios where the sow, the seed, the word of God was sown, and the results. One was on a rocky place, you know, he on the path, uh, on the road. Uh, another one was on a rocky place. Another one was the thorns and the and the good soil uh, was in chapter in verse eight rather. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> when when. Uh, when he, uh, the disciples heard this, uh, let, let's skip down to verse 18 because um, the disciples had asked him in verse 10, and we're going to come back to that, but the disciples came to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But in verse 18, Jesus himself explained what, what the parable of the sower was. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. There, there is one who, whom seed was, was sown beside the road. And the one whose seed was sown in the rocky places, this man hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And with affliction or persecution arises, uh, because of the word, immediately he falls away. Verse 22, And the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, And the one whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is a man who hears the word 
and understands it and who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundred, sixty, and thirty. <clears throat> Dr. Ryer says this about some of this particular situations. He says, <clears throat> we may listen to a sermon with heartfelt, uh, like the hard path, Careless, thoughtless, unconcerning Christ, Christ crucified may be set before us most movingly. And we hear of his suffering and utter indifferently as the subject in which we have no interest. As fast as the word falls on our ears, the devil plucks him and takes him away. A heart like the rocky places may yield a plentiful crop of warm feelings and, and good resolution but all the time there will be no depth root work in our soul. First, the cold blast of opposition and the temptation may cause our seemingly religion to wither away. Alas, there are too many hearers. There's more love of the sermon and no sign of grace. Our hearts are like the thorny ground with rake of crops and cares, pleasures of worldly pain, we really like the gospel and wish to obey it and yet insensibly give it no chance of bearing fruit by allowing other things to fill its place and occupy our whole hearts. We come out indifferently. So we may rest assured to reach heaven at last it needs something more than going to church regularly on Sunday and listening to preachers. The word of God must be received into our hearts and become the mainspring of our conduct. It must produce practical impressions on our inner being that will appear in our own outward behavior. If this does if it does not do this, we have only added to our condemnation and the day of judgment. We've all heard about the broad road and the narrow way. We have understood that there's many a go there, but few will find it. We can't say that these four spreading of the Gospels is, you know, if we can give 25% to each of those four issues because it, it, it simply doesn't work that way. The truth of the matter is, and we've said it many times before, that the Christian life is a minority in this world. And there are a lot of people that hear and simply blot out what the gospel has to say. There's a, a lot to going out. Let's go back to look at at, uh, at verse 10 uh, when Jesus is talking about the, the parables here. His disciples came to him and why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus said, you too, or excuse me, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been granted. For whosoever has to him more shall be given, 
and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Do they understand? So, Jesus, I mean, even the disciples took him aside the second time and says, explain this to us. And he, he says, I'm, I'm trying my best to, to, to teach these people, but, but they, they don't hear and they don't see. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 6. Go to the middle of your Bible, um, Psalms, and then go to the right, and you've got Proverbs and uh, Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, and then you get to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. This is a beautiful thing of Isaiah. We've gone through this when we went through Isaiah and spent a lot of time there. We, we just mentioned it because Jesus quoted it in Matthew. Verse 1 of chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, and his train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim, seraphim stood above him above him each having six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called out to the other and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold tremble trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke and i said woe is me for i am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, and he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, uh, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? And he said, Here I am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. And I said, Lord, how long? He answered until the cities and the devastation and without inhabitant houses are without people and the land utterly desolated. Uh, Isaiah didn't get to see that um, all when they went into captivity. Go back to verse, to chapter 12 of 13 rather of, of Matthew. And in verse 14, Jesus himself quoted what we just read. And he's, he was talking to him. He says, verse 13, he says, See, they do not see. And while they're hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And what Jesus has said, it's been going on for a long, long time. Because this is the same message that Isaiah preached 400 years before. He says, they, 
don't see, they don't hear, and their hearts are just as cold as they often was. Verse 16, he said, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men desiring to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So the word is sown and and it brings forth fruit. That's the whole idea of salvation. It brings forth fruit. And what is the fruit that it brings forth? Go to Galatians chapter 6. 5 rather. Galatians chapter 5. G.E. Power Company. Go to Corinthians G. <laughs> I don't that's why that's how I learned it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. It's been looking at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we walk by the Spirit, excuse me, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful challenging one another envying one another when the sower sows the word and it's received it will mark you will go into growth you will bear fruit that's the whole idea of us giving the word out is to bear fruit and the fruit is radically changing our lives that once we were, as he says up here in chapter verse um, uh, 20, idolatrous, sorcerers, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing. But once you come to know the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace patience, and so forth. So that's the, that's the fruit that's the bounty, that's the harvest that comes from the seed that's sown. Seed that's sown. <clears throat> there is one evidence for hearing the word rightly. The evidence is to bear a crop. Repentance for, toward, towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ holiness of life and character prayerfulness, humility love, spiritual mindedness, these are the only satisfactory proofs that the seed of God's word is doing its proper work in our souls turn over to John chapter 15 Matthew, Mark, Luke, John
John chapter 15. pick up in verse 12 John chapter 15 you've heard this said many times over the last few weeks John chapter 15 verse 12 this is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you greater love has no no one than this than one lays down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit remains so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father, ask in the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So our, he said he had appointed us that we may bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Okay. The parable of the sower. Now let's look at verses uh, 24. Back to Matthew. Matthew 13, verses 24. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said, Do you want us to go then and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot uproot the wheat with them allow both of them to grow together until the harvest at that time of harvest I will send to the, say to the reapers first gather up the tares bind them in bundles and burn them up but gather the wheat into my barn turn well in my bible you turn a page verses 36 Let's look at verses 36 because Jesus gives an answer to what he has just, he has just told them. Um, Matthew 13, verses 36. And when he left the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parables of the tares in the field. And he said, The one who sows the seed is the Son of Man. We mentioned to you last week that the Son of Man is mentioned... 24 times in Matthew, and it is always Jesus talking about himself. So he said, the one who sows the seed is the son of man. And the word in the field is the world. And as far as the good seed, there are sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. 
and the enemy who sows them is the devil, and the harvest at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So, so just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks which those committed lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, until the righteous will shine forth as the sun, and the kingdom of their father, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When we were in, in Isaiah, Art and I told you that, that part of Isaiah's prophecy was then, and part of it was to be fulfilled in Israel's lifetime, and some of it was way down the road. And this is what Jesus is saying here. It's going to be at the end, at the end of time when, when he, he takes the evil ones and he get, gathers them up and throws them into the furnace of fire. And, in, and then we will, will uh, as he says here, uh, we will, the righteousness will shine forth as the sun. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's always the case that in the church, in the, perfect, the professing church, there will all be found people who don't totally agree. We shall never succeed in obtaining a pure fellowship. Weeds will always be found among the wheat, and the hypocrites and the deceivers will creep in. Uh, I'm going to pause and ch- chase a rabbit right there. I don't have long to chase it. Uh, I think our fellowship real, really right now in church is fantastic. I don't know of any undercurrent at all. And, and to that, we give the, the Lord the glory. Um, when we start talking about uh, other things, like building a new building or get ready for growth, uh, it sometimes that's all it takes for the devil to get a foothold. My prayer is that that never happens to us. And the way it doesn't happen to us is that we, we give counsel or we allow, uh, we all have an opinion. There's about, what, how many in here, Pat? 50 of us in here now. And I guarantee you we got 50 opinions about how we're supposed to build a building or if we're to build a building or how we're going to do it or where it's going to go and all this kind of stuff. My prayer is that when, when we work through all this, and it's not going to be quickly, a year, two years, I don't know how long it'll take, but it'll take some time. I hope that we've got enough uh, life in us or enough uh, unity in in us that will yield to somebody else's opinion. Um, that's it's hard sometimes for us hard-headed guys to do, but I think I think uh, I think we need to do that, and we knew we need to do it for the better good. We need to do it for the gospel and for the for the world. 
So I, I don't want this little discussion about, about our future as far as a church plan it go get in the way of our unity in spirit now and driving one accord to sow seed to do what we need to do and that's gathering the people who don't know him and for us to to bear much much fruit uh, so um, Dr. Ryle I think is just giving an example here that that it happens and he also he closed out here he says who were weeds today may be wheat tomorrow. So I don't know how that's going to happen. But anyway, uh, and those, those who, who weren't believing uh, could, could become believers. So we need to continue in that vein. Uh, <clears throat> he also mentions in here, and we know this is true. Uh, <laughs> remember, this was written... The man died in 1900, so it was written uh, early. Uh, and we we say something from time to time. We have people we call church hoppers. Do you ever know anybody that's a church hopper? All right, he says it a little bit differently. He says, we spent our lives in migrating from communion to communion and pass our days in perpetual disappointment, go where we will and worship where they may, We'll always find weeds. You know, like the fellow says, if you find a, fer- a perfect church, it won't be perfect when you get there. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what it is. So I, I think we just need to be careful with what we, what we say and how we say it. And, and Jesus said at the end of the time, he said the saved will be, will be, uh, will be redeemed forever and ever, and the tares that Satan has sown will be thrown into the lake of fire. So <clears throat> that's the two major, major um, 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 parables that he says here. Now, in verse 31 and 32, he talks about the mustard seed, and in uh, verses 33, he talks about leaven. Uh, then in verses uh, uh, 44 and through 46, he talks about the hidden, hidden treasure and the costly pearl. Let's look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven. Okay, let me stop and back the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what? Synoptic Gospels, and they paraphrase. Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Luke and and uh, and Mark say the kingdom of God. Why? Why does why does Matthew call it the kingdom of heaven, and and uh, the other two call it the kingdom of God? Art mentioned to you early on in the in the chapter where this gospel was written to who? The Jews. The Jews. He was written to the Jews. How did the Jews, when they talked about God, they didn't talk about God. They even in today's writing, you know, you can go on online and go to Jew, uh, uh, Judaism 101, and when they have God mentioned in there, they'll have G dash dash. They don't mention the word God. So Matthew didn't use the word God. He used the word heaven because that was his audience that he was talking to at this point. Okay, let me go on. Verse uh, 44. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man uh, found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys the field. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus doesn't comment on those things. But these two parables are meant to teach us uh, the importance of giving up everything we have 